the staff has four parts. You have the head and the haft, and you need the crown and the base. I don't know the parts of a staff. You should... The sheaf? And butt. <laughs> That's the four parts of a staff. <laughs> Live for the Mundangerous End of the Line in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 294 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to bring a long-running campaign to a successful conclusion. But first, the party confesses in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, Nighty Night Bugs creeps and crawls in the darkness in the Character Creation Forge. And one more reminder, episode 300 is fast approaching, and it will be a mailbag episode, so if you have a question you'd like to get in about life, role-playing games, actual plays, Ishin or I, whatever it is, go ahead and get that in to TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com, send it to us on Discord, send it to us on Twitter, whatever it takes, Uh, we will be answering your questions for a whole episode, as long as it takes. And if after this episode you still want a little more content, head over to Patreon, where supporters of any level get access to our plot hooks of the week, which are continuing to roll out on a essentially weekly basis. Last week we talked about Coheed and Cambria again. Again. It was terrible for Ishan. That's a lot of Coheed. You couldn't even have even gone with like AFI. They don't have a setting, do they? When AFI writes a stupid comic book... Then maybe they'll get on the show. Are you sure? I feel like a fire inside is, uh, you know, it, it, that, that's got to be some sort of like, I don't know, terrible post-apocalyptic setting. Ishan, I hate to break it to you, dude. You're doing this week's plot hook. You could have done AFI and you didn't. That's on you. Uh, you know, I'm just saving it for later. Okay. Also, I didn't know that they were still a band. All right. Where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? So, the Gates of Morning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Emperon, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in Flamekeep, the seat of the Church of the Silver Flame, the party is hunting down a rogue sect of House Jurasco. And Malak Othero, captain of the Guard of the Blood Regent of Thrain and head of the Argentum, has been exposed as a quarry mine seed and a changeling. And a dead man. Also true. Surrounded by three corpses. The party now uses Switch and Warden's healing magics to recuperate quickly while they assess the situation, which looks not great for them. <laughs> we maybe just killed a couple people who were highly placed in the organization. Uh, in their seat of power. Uh. Without a way to prove that they were mine seeds. Okay, well, meanwhile, Egan the cleric pokes his head from around the corner of the stairs, really hoping that the battle is over. Uh, But his eyes go wide at the carnage and blood, and the party warns him to stay the hell away while they burn all of the blood that was spilled during the fight, because let's not forget, it still spreads the plague. So knowing that there's no easy way to get past the assembled forces of the Silver Flame while carrying a trio of bodies, the party resolves to simply come clean. Sort of. Sort of. Reasoning that Malik's body is the best possible witness, they construct a makeshift beer with Egan's help and move the cargo out of the dungeon and into an unused chapel in a nearby tower. Though patrols and guards give them the wary eye, when they see they're with Egan, they let them pass. The group lays the bodies out in a respectful fashion, and Egan locks the chamber behind them. 
Then they head toward the center of the cathedral, down near ground level where the keeper's chambers are located. They make a request to meet the keeper, but that is met with complete incredulity by the guards. Switch, though, uh, is very persuasive, both magically and not, and finally convinces one of them to at least deliver a cryptic message to someone who can make a decision about these kinds of things. And ten minutes later, he returns and confusedly ushers them inside. Deep within, they are eventually escorted to a high-ceilinged, finely appointed chamber. In many nations, this would be fit for a throne room, but the keeper sits at a simple but sturdy desk. Blood Regent Diani Irwinarn, Zaro Silvervane, and High Cardinal Crozen are gathered around her, and the Dragonhound lies at her feet. Down a large hallway to the left, they can spot silvery light flickering in the distance, though they can't quite make out its source. Although, I mean, they can guess. <laughs> yeah, silver light, silver flame, nose. Speaking quickly, they blurt out that Malakathero is dead and quickly segue to his true identity. The assembled nobles are, of course, shocked by the party's news about a changeling mole. Diani and Zaro accuse the party of lying about their compatriot and demand proof, and Crozen resurfaces his false flag theory. Oh, the old false flag theory. My <laughs> Cardinal Crozen, not a creative man. Guards posted all around the chamber begin to knock arrows and take aim at the party, but Jayla once again halts them with a raised hand. Bramble then delicately suggests that they should all ask the corpse. Which, uh, oh yeah, we, we still have we still have that. Jayla fortunately agrees and has her guards retrieve the bodies. She then casts Speak with Dead herself. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we're talking about Bringing a campaign to a close, Yishin. This is a question from Discord from Sev Lives. Sev Lives? Could be. I hope so. Has there been a TPT cast that touched on finishing campaigns? I'm coming up on a hopefully climactic ending to a one and a half year long game, but none of the games I've been a part of before actually reached this point, so I'm not feeling very sure of myself. We looked, other people in the Discord looked, I was surprised that we had not done an episode on finishing a campaign. We've done two episodes on Session Zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two episodes on pre-starting a campaign. Yeah. Zero episodes on finishing one. So here we go. Uh, I think the first thing to keep in mind when you are going to like bring this thing home is like landing the plane is stressful, right? But it doesn't need to go smoothly. Any campaign that actually does have a final session rather than just kind of like fading away or like ghosting you like a, someone you met on Tinder is a really good campaign. Are you saying because, it's better to burn out than to fade away? Yes. Is that a Cohaden Cambria lyric? Because then, no. then no. <laughs> it's a it's <laughs> Bob Dylan lyric or Neil Young or something. I don't it's know. It's probably it's... also a Cohaden Cambria lyric, I think. <laughs> okay. So many campaigns never get that far. Either they never get high enough level to, you know, really sort of have like a, a meaningful ending or people just sort of like walk away or move on to something else. It was quoted in Kurt Cobain's suicide note, dude. Is that going to be your next plot hook? No. Another I mean, depressing one? Can't rule it out. Okay, so if during this campaign you've been following the three-act structure, um, you'll just keep following that outline all the way through to the end. And there's uh, more on that in episode 13 all about the three-act structure. Uh, of course, if you're like me, 
you probably haven't been because you don't plan well enough and just didn't want to. So this is probably going to be an opportunity to tweak or fix anything uh, that you and the rest of the table haven't been happy with uh, in the campaign to this point. This is your chance to just tie up the loose ends. See, this is why I didn't use a three-act structure, because now I have an opportunity to fix things. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, forgive yourself for whatever is about to happen. <laughs> like, remember that you're flying, you're flying a plane that's already been built, right? Some things in the game are too late to change, because, like, they wouldn't make sense the narrative or you've, you've already established lore or whatever, right? So you have to finish with what you have on hand, and that is totally fine, right? This is not about having some platonic ideal of like what is a quote-unquote good campaign or like you know how did some actual play end their campaign right you want to figure out and use the story elements that are going to best complete the story that you are already telling okay so refresh me what happens in the third act (laughs) i had to go look at a episode 19 notes to find out (laughs) it's the climax and the resolution of the story Um, these are the components that you are probably going to want to have on hand as you plan for a satisfying ending. And as we go through these, think about like, where is your group in this process of ending? So at the beginning of the third act, the party is going to begin to dig itself out of the hole that it got into in the second act, right? This is beginning of the return of the Jedi after Empire Strikes Back. Right. They'll find some solution to the problem or learn about a MacGuffin to defeat their enemy, to, to overcome the now impossible odds. All right. This is where you learn about, you know, the quest item or whatever that is the only thing that can slay the, the dragon, right? Right. This is the, the hidden lore that if you'd had it all along could have made things simpler is now revealed to you. And thus you just have to make a plan to win, make the necessary sacrifices, overcome the moral quandaries that it poses. Um, but then agree to it and execute it yeah and this is this is the part where parties tend to begin to splinter right where you disagree about how it is best to end the campaign or like what is the best avenue to accomplish what you are all trying to do together this is where you sort of begin to sow the seeds of you know is there going to be a betrayal and you know part of this should be happening about the table like it's a certain kind of game where someone is going to betray the party um, or where, where there will be intra-party conflict, which like, we also had an episode on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then each person at the table is going to need to define for themselves and for their character what winning looks like, quote-unquote winning. This doesn't necessarily mean defeating the enemy because, you know, some campaigns actually end in loss. Some, some stories have sad endings and some characters get sad endings even if overall the party succeeds. And that's fine and maybe rewarding and maybe what people are going for in the first place but you know what is it that that you as a player would count as a win once this is all over this is also the part where as players you need to balance the character goals against the party goal right like those those background backstory goals that you've been working towards the whole time you you know you want to um you know meet your long lost spouse or uh like (laughs) <laughs> redeem your father <laughs> to, to to stick with the star wars right or, or or whatever it is right like you want to accomplish a thing this is where balancing that personal objective against what we have to do as the party in order to keep the world safe 
right? Like that's where you start to balance those things. And what are the sacrifices I'm willing to make on one in order to make the other happen? I'm going to make sure that we free Thar's Dune so that I can fight God. <laughs> to, you mean to attack and dethrone God? It's right here on my sheet. Yeah, exactly. You know, and in order for me to do that, I need him to be a God again. Okay. Oh, wait, is that Warcraft? That's Warcraft. No, it's, it's Temple of Elemental Evil. You know, the, the one where it's like, hi, sign on the sheet. We're the Temple of uh, Elemental Evil. Um, sure, like there's a Temple of Elemental Good. Fine. But, you know, they're way less interesting and the dues are very high. Yeah, have you seen their parties? Ours are ragers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like lava? Who doesn't love lava? <laughs> uh, and then lastly, there's a beeline to the end. And we'll get into this about like how to do all this stuff. Once you get toward the very end of your third act, uh, you're going to spot a goal and then you're going to head directly for it and not get distracted. Ideally. So then take a look at what you have to work with. And note which of these might address some of the needs that you've established that you probably want to meet in order to work your way through the third act. This is going to tell you, after this process, you'll sort of understand what it is you still need to get in order to finish this campaign. So think about what loose ends remain on the party's to-do list. And do you, does the GM have a plan to tie those up? Does the party have a plan to tie those up? This is where you have to balance priority for, of screen time, right? So is this any given item on that list, any loose end, right? Is this something that you can tie up in an episode or is this uh, in a session? Um, or is this something that needs to be tied up in an epilogue, right? Can we get a satisfying conclusion of this if it is resolved post facto? Yeah, because as you're going through these loose ends, you're going to be either adding them to your to-do list for the end of the campaign, or you're going to be tossing them out and ignoring them, right? So you'll also look at what loose ends remain that are not on the party's to-do list. What has everyone forgotten about? And if they've forgotten about it and, like, that's fine and it works in the fiction, then, like, just forget about it. Who cares, right? Because obviously nobody cares about it. Th those kind of get relegated to the pile of, like, oh, yeah, if somebody asks me what I was thinking about that, I'll give them the answer after the campaign is done, like, yeah. but we don't need to put screen time on it, right? So there's, there's kind of that priority system of like, we need screen time, we need epilogue time. We can talk about it if anybody ever remembers. Then you're going to move on to examining the character arcs. Uh, we do have an episode on ending character arcs, episode 63. Um, but here, I would say you definitely want to speak to the players, like above the table, talk to the players if you haven't been doing this already through the entire campaign and talk to them about what it is that they want for their character like what is the goal for their character once the story is over or and potentially once the character story is over is it an accomplishment or are they trying to fulfill this quest and maybe that quest is the quest of the campaign or maybe it's something you know completely incidental or is it just personal growth and they want to see the character very different from the way that the character started out yeah my goal is to hit level 20 and pvp the rest of the party and win you can do that at level seven yeah, but I want to hit I want to hit 20 first. The problem is most of them are 20 now and now it's way harder. I, that's why I got to be the best around. Nothing's ever going to bring me down. Oh no. You got to keep on moving. And that's the third act. Um so what does what does completion of the character's goals look like for the character and look like for the player of the character? You also want to get a sense of how open they are to something unexpected. Right. Sometimes players have deeply held goals and they really want the satisfaction of seeing them through to the end. Other times the campaign takes its toll on a character and takes its toll on the relationship between the player and the character. 
and they're more open to something unexpected, right? They're they're willing to be the sacrificial lamb. They're willing to, um, you know, make the heel turn or make the face turn that is maybe unexpected on account of, you know, like where I was originally taking this character doesn't really ring true for me anymore. It's a little hollow. I'm I'm open to something new. Yeah, like if you think about your stereotypical warlock character and the, the entire goal at level one is to get out from under my patron's thumb. And then as the campaign progresses, you will see either the player is constantly being like, I can't wait, can't wait. Oh, how am I going to like, oh, I got a new magic item and this is going to help me fight my patron or fool my patron or whatever. Or like, have they become used to having this power and like, may, maybe they're fine with it. You know, you, you get a sense for that after playing together for a year about what the character wants and what the player wants. And then, you, you know, you sort of get to the end and you you should have a good sense. And if you don't just ask about whether the player needs the character to get out from under the patron or if they would be comfortable with, say, for example, you, you know, you throw them for a loop and like, haha, they switched their patron or a different patron stole them or whatever. Right. If if my entire goal was like free myself, it would not be a satisfying conclusion. It would be surprising, but not a satisfying conclusion for me to end up beholden to a different patron. Right. The thing that I want is to not have a patron. Right. Or, you know, conversely, like maybe making another agreement, doubling down with your patron. Right. Gives you more power, uh, but obviously fails your initial goal. Right. Maybe that's necessary to succeed on the party's goals. And that's the personal sacrifice or that's mm -hmm. the the arc of the character. So that's yeah. where you, you just need to get that player input to understand exactly like what's going on here. Where are you at? How do we make this fun for you? Yeah. Get buy in on all these things. And, you know, people will be pretty blunt with you and be like, no, I don't want that. Please don't do that. I hate that. I don't think there was a way to end like Morning Glory with Brand not optionally turning into a dragon that like would right, have yeah. felt good, right? Because like, <laughs> the whole thing is he spent his entire like campaign thinking he was a dang dragon. <laughs> you know, for Brand to suddenly have, you know, the quarry involved wouldn't have made any sense. Would have been unexpected. Huh? Wouldn't have been satisfying. Check to see if there's anything unfinished from their original backstory or that has come up during the campaign that they still want to address. This doesn't mean that it will get addressed. These are just, you're sort of adding things to a to-do list for now. Yeah. And and this is, I mean, it's a little late to give this advice, right? But finishing backstory stuff before the conclusion is actually really helpful. Like if mm -hmm. you have enough runway to, to start wrapping up some of the backstory things, even like, you know, two to three months in advance, right? So you have the satisfied character. You are now here for... The advancement of the group having a couple of those in your pocket is great because <laughs> there's less less screen time that you've got to like you know very carefully distribute amongst all the different scenes that need to happen and play out over the course of the finale yeah i mean this is maybe advice for your next campaign but like you know make arc one about somebody in their backstory you know and give them a, a bunch of spotlight with that and then later in the campaign they're just a full-fledged character who's confident in who they are right and and that was like in in Morning Glory, right? That was the outcome for um for Emery, well in advance of the conclusion of the campaign. We knew, like we knew that she had recaptured her soul. Right, exactly. And now she was just there to be a force of good because she had unfinished business, murdering fiends. And then look at what unanswered questions are still left over, 
and be okay with the fact that they're going to be unanswered in this campaign. You want to leave something for next time. And when I say next time, like maybe that's a sequel. You never know. Maybe it's something that these characters do again, possibly. It also could just be another campaign that you play in or that you run and you use that idea for something else. Or maybe it's just something to continue arguing with your players about, about what would have happened or what might have been or what the cause was so that they have some mystery to continue tying them back to their campaign. Oh, about how you transformed the party member who betrayed you into salt and then stuck him in the ocean and the, the only way to reconstitute his body is to boil the seas. Mm -hmm. hmm. Some people in the party do disagree that that happened. Mm -hmm. They can disagree mm -hmm. all they want. <laughs> <laughs> PVP me, bro. <laughs> Some of us planned for Endgame. <laughs> I put it in my epilogue, okay? <laughs> you have to yes and it. <laughs> All right, now if it looks like you're getting your to-do list is getting very long, totally fine. We'll get to that. At this point, go back to your original brainstorm notes, if, if you have any of those, or, or even just like, you know, however you jotted down initial ideas when you were thinking about the campaign, or like as you went, you know, ab absentmindedly scribbled stuff down. For me, these kind of fall into like two general categories. One is like cool set pieces that like I want I want to run an encounter on the edge of a volcano, you know? Uh, and then the others are like cool scenarios that like maybe I was watching a movie or something and I'm like, oh, this this would make a great encounter or like this would be a cool plot point and I, I would love to bring bring that in. I usually end, end a campaign with like, I don't know, 10 to 15 of those that I never got to. Mm -hmm. Um. And when you're nearing the end, you can start looking at those and going, which of these would fit really well? Oh, the volcano? Actually, the volcano is totally a great place to end this campaign. I'm, I'm going to put in the volcano. And the rest of them, again, you leave them alone and you use them for something else. Now we've got to talk a little bit about logistics. This is where you need to be realistic about what's, what's left to accomplish and what can be accomplished in the time you have remaining. So that starts with how many sessions actually remain. Um, how often will you have the players you need in attendance? Uh, how long are those sessions, right? Like how much screen time do you have for each character that you can divide up amongst, you know, in service of each of your goals? Yeah, like do you have a session where multiple people's arcs can be moved forward or does it does you really need to dedicate an entire session to you know going to a particular the whole party goes to a particular town and like deals with somebody's baggage right that is really going to take a lot longer to resolve than you know everyone taking revenge on like the the shopkeep from from the first arc and then that gets you what can be done now you have to think about what can i do right so how much prep time do you have to actually make these things work you know if you are uh resolving your campaign at the same time that you're say about to have a baby <laughs> a thing that we almost ran into like how much time are you realistically going to have if you have an infant in the house in order to try and finish this campaign or none it's you know none. <laughs> if you're changing jobs right uh or you're graduating from school or something like that where you have you know external things that might impact these you got to make sure that like you have enough time in the day to do the preparation that you need to feel confident that you could run the game that you want to run. Now, for me, that means prep nothing and let let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> I don't recommend that for possibly anybody else, <laughs> including myself. And I really can't emphasize enough, like, try to be as realistic 
as you can be. You know, when we were ending Morning Glory, um, it was a six-month straight run to the end of the campaign because we knew that Angela and Susie were like literally moving potentially to the other side of the country and the campaign was going to end. Like that was it. That's how many sessions we had, you know? So, so many things got trimmed because there was no time for them. And guess what? It, it was great. It was, it was a lot more streamlined. And then think about how invested are the players in a particular outcome or even just in this campaign, right? How much do they care how intricate this is? How much do they care about their own character, right? If you're dealing with like three casual players and one storyteller, then the priorities for what you put in the end of your campaign are going to be very different if you have four butt kickers who obviously want, you know, six combats. And not just how invested are they, but what are they invested in in the play experience? What is it about the play that is going to be most memorable for them? Is it the story? Is it the character development? Is it the role play between characters? Or is it, you know, the number of dice they rolled and how hard the fight was and how big the challenge they overcame was? Shane, it's about the numbers of dice that our characters rolled together in our interactions. That's why I, I'm, I'm a storyteller who wants to roll as many dice as possible. Okay. <laughs> You're a, an actor slash model and not the other way around. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and think about how invested are the players in each other's experiences at the table? How cohesive is this group? Because, you know, we actually talk a lot about sort of ways to mitigate um, players who want to hog spotlight or who aren't really that invested in the other characters at the table but when you get to the end of a campaign all plot lines converge and you can't get out of each other's way so it really helps to have a group who is making room for everyone else's narrative and if you don't have that then someone's going to end up in some kind of crash and then maybe both my least favorite part and my most favorite part is take that big old list that you put together and cut 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 like cut it Cut so much of it out. The best part, kill your darlings. <laughs> yep, just drown them. Drown them in the bathtub. Yeah, not not everything is going to fit, uh, you know, given the constraints that you have of timing and the constraints that you have of your own capability and, and what your player is looking for. So you need to just prioritize it and start cutting the things that are the lowest value add for yourself or your players. Or the um, biggest lift. Or, yeah, or the most, the, the, the lowest re return on investment, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is, is though, like, everything has to balance against that, right? Because you have finite time to put into the game. You have finite game time to dedicate. So it's got to be the most impactful things you can fit uh, into both pieces is important. Um, and I think, like, most GMs naturally want to cut. I won't say most. Many GMs will naturally want to cut their own stuff right to enable the players like you need to also resist that urge too mm -hmm. right like you had good ideas and you also have your handle on what it takes to actually accomplish and do things so like you know don't shortchange yourself in order to like make something happen um stick to your guns a little bit as well yeah you are a player at the table as well and i think you know most creators understand this intuitively like if you're a writer or an artist or whatever like you know that not all of your ideas can fit into the thing that you are making not everything needs to fit and it's actually really really good for everything 
not to fit or to not try to fit everything because you're going to save those ideas and use them for other games, other campaigns. And also the end product is going to be so much more streamlined and ultimately better. You know who doesn't understand that, Ishan? Who? Engineers. <laughs> <laughs> like the creatives understand this. The engineer types do not. And that is the constant struggle <laughs> of like, it could be more. And like, yes, it could. But there are real constraints on what you can actually deliver here uh, without, you know, tearing your hair out and scratching out your eyeballs. So like, take care of yourself a little bit here. It's okay. Like there'll be a next time. It's fine. I just miniaturized all of the plot points. Right. <laughs> just and and we're significantly over budget by using machine learning algorithms. <laughs> I've baked this, all of your player biases right into my plot. <laughs> this campaign is kind of a black box. I don't really know how it works, but we get a result. <laughs> the result is the downfall of Western civilization. <laughs> that's that's my campaign. How do you know? But part of, part of the reason that you want to cut so much is you want to leave room for player involvement and ideas and for player derailment of ideas and their own ideas. You presumably have, you know, more than an hour left uh, in your campaign. So you want to make sure that you leave room so there's freedom for somebody who has a brilliant idea to play that out, right? That you might have an unexpected ending because of the choices that they make or the choices they don't make or the randomness of the dice, you know, and, and that's okay too. It's much better to have fewer plot points that you need to hit in order for the story to make sense. And then just let the party fill any additional time. All right. So how do you do this? You need to keep it tight. The final arc of the campaign should be a straight shot to the finish. The goal should be very clear. Everyone should be on the same page about what is required. Every session needs to move you a step closer to that goal. One way to do this is conservation of content. Do not bring in new characters. This is the Wheel of Time problem. Yeah. <laughs> 11 books into a 14-book series, you should not be introducing new characters. <laughs> right. This is a great time to call back to the characters you already have, right? To That, that gives them a conclusion. That gives them uh, a reference point that they don't need to learn anything new. It gives them that, that satisfation of like system ma or setting mastery i guess mm -hmm. right of like oh yeah of course i remember the bartender from that town we spent one day in like that guy was great that we role played with two years ago like, yeah of course right. he has the contact we need an apothecary wait a minute hold on let me look through my notes i know an apothecary would they work why goodness yes they actually would i think they'd be perfect for this <laughs> the child of prophecy is absolutely someone you already know Right, exactly. Possibly somebody in the party. You want to throw out reminders. And this isn't just GMs. This is players as well. It is your job to shepherd the narrative at this point because it's all hands on deck. You need reminders above the table and in game about what is happening. What are we doing? What is the goal of this particular session? What is our, our end goal? Like, why are we doing this? And how does this move us closer to that, right? Because the players are forgetful. We have real lives. But the PCs are about to save the world or die trying. They are not forgetful about this stuff. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My characters are as aloof as I am. <laughs> I'm always role-playing. That's my secret. Yeah, this is where, you know, giving those recaps at the beginning, um, reminding people mid-session about things that they know, um, 
giving you know like a physical checklist of the MacGuffin pieces they're hunting down right like the staff has four parts you have the head and the uh and the haft and you need the crown and the base i don't know the parts of a staff ishan <laughs> do staves have staves have crowns this one does yep the crowned staff certainly does the neck head neck it's a staff <laughs> and, and butt that's the four parts of a staff and and what that means is at the beginning of every session you're like someone is like okay we have the head and the butt and we need the shaft and the the crown and at the end of the session we're like all right we have the head and the crown and the butt and we need the shaft uh, intercession emails are very helpful here um, and you can do a lot of your planning. So if you do think that you're going to be pressed for time or you're sort of not on schedule in hitting the plot points in the number of sessions that you need in order to get to the end, you know, throw the lore or the the wrap-up or distribution of loot or whatever into an intercession email. As little planning as I like to advocate for, um, this is where it gets important to to do a little session planning, right? To kind of sketch goals session by session of, of what you need to accomplish in it, right? Whether that is scenes that need to happen or it is a place in the plot they need to get to. Um, you know, like if if the finale happens on a train and you're in the penultimate session, well, there's a pretty good chance they better be on that train at the end of this session, right? You might not know how they get there, you might not know how they get their tickets, but like you kind of got to end the session on the train if you're going to set the big finale on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you need to have those ideas in mind. Um, and that way, you know, within a session or two of your actual final meeting, right, how long it'll take and what you need to do to get there without being railroady. But like, be a little railroady. Yeah, I chose a chose a train on purpose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's leaving the station one way or the other Ishan. and players you need to get on board okay it is it is also your responsibility to get to the appointed place and time for this cool battle because it's probably a set piece and someone probably paid a bunch of money for a really cool battle map okay <laughs> <Or a> mini. <laughs> yeah so like i i have I have the red dragon mini. You're fighting a red dragon. I'm not trying to railroad you, but like, look at this thing. You've been staring at it for six weeks because it's on my shelf and it's beautiful. And like, be there with me. What are you doing? I have a hundred and forty dollar Tiamat. It is going on the <laughs> table next week. Come hell or high water. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what your characters did. Right. She just shows up. <laughs> it can either make sense that she's here or it cannot make sense. Get on the freaking train. <laughs> you can be prepared. I don't care. <laughs> so GMs, don't let them get sidetracked. And players, don't get sidetracked, but also don't let other players get sidetracked. And and this is like this is a good time to blend the in character, the above the table, right? Of like, look, we have a limited amount of time. I love where this is going. I would love to think about this as a hypothetical, but like we need to keep moving because we only have five hours left of the game <laughs> and yeah. we've got to get to where we want to go. And then everybody should be on board for that. If you're still sticking your, your like digging in your heels to prevent progress at that point, I don't know what you're doing, but you're going to be here for session last plus one and no one else is going to show up. It's going to be weird. 
<laughs> hey, we all got together and decided that we're never playing together again after this. Right. Yeah, and I'm just telling you that so that you never show up here again. Game night switched to Wednesdays. Sorry. All right, and then you've got your final session, your actual final session. I, I, I have a feeling in the future this is going to be its own episode, but for now, uh, one, make sure everyone can make it. Every player can make it, even if you need a delay, like a month. Just find a time. You wound me when you say this. You wound me. <laughs> Following that, you also need to play until the game ends. <laughs> like, don't adjourn early if you can avoid it, right? And if you need to, then you need to figure out another session. Yeah, uh, we waited a month so we could all be here. We're playing till we're done. <laughs> we will chip in extra for that babysitter, okay? Also, like, sequester as much as possible as you can so people can focus on the game. Um, it was great if you can be somewhere where there aren't distractions, if that's possible. And I know it's a lot harder right now these days. Yeah, and I mean, you know, life gets in the way, obviously, to all these things. But this is just like, hey, we're doing the finale. Like, can we all agree to make our best effort to focus on that when the time comes? Yeah, like, we're making we're making memories. So, like, uh, like do that with us? Like, it's the whole reason that we give up so much time and show up here. Right. Begin with a recap. Um, and feel free to go into more detail with this recap, the final recap, right? Set the mood. What is the context for whatever is about to happen? What does it mean for the characters? What does it mean maybe for the world or, you know, on a smaller scale, the setting or the town or whatever? And this is the recap where you connect the dots, right? Yeah. Like if there is something they haven't picked up on yet, this is the one where you say, oh, that person you met, you know, in session six, like I... We're, we're recapping back to that point because that person matters later on and they go, oh, that's where it connects or that's where we heard that name or that's what was going on. Right. Like this is the point where you put the cards on the table. Right. So that the ending has all the context it needs to have the full effect. So they aren't wondering, wait, what what happened? Oh, that was that character who did that. Oh, that makes sense. But now it's after the fact instead of in the moment. Right. And does it matter that it back in level six that was a no-name character until they accidentally like happened to crit one of the pcs no you plan it all along it's fine right exactly the big bad takes off their mask <laughs> <laughs> and for this session everyone should already know what they're here to do we're here to stop the ritual we are here to you know finally avenge our families we are here to like um dethrone the king whatever it is attack and dethrone god mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, that's most campaigns, actually, once you get past level four. That's <laughs> all that's left. Yeah. If there are any meaningful choices left to make, they're going to happen like right now, right at the beginning of this session, immediately. This is the final moral quandary. This is the final uh, chance for someone to switch sides. Right. The, the ball is in the air. Now we're going to find out where it lands. And then demand a resolution. If the party showed up here to fight, don't let anyone whether that's the BBEG, whether it's a player, talk them out of it, right? Like maybe someone's going to have a clever idea uh, and typically that kind of idea would end up avoiding a confrontation. In the final session, it does not avoid the confrontation. Maybe it gives you an advantage because it was a very clever and interesting idea, but like you're still going to have the fight. We're here for the fight. And then make sure you go all out. This is the last time that anyone is going to do anything with these characters. You know, a lot of times like talking about like high level D, D, it's probably going to be the last time for a long time you're going to get to use these crazy like cr30 monsters um 
you, you know, you're in pretty rarefied air at that point. Like, have fun with it, right? Like this, this is what you play the game for. There's a ton of that book is off limits until you've paid a huge tax to get there. Like enjoy it while you're there. It's the last time you will be. Yeah, and it's probably the only time that a lot of players are going to be able to use a particular ability, right? Because like how often do you end up with a 19th level rogue? Right. You know, like next time, if we ever do get high level again, I won't be playing a rogue because I already did that. But I've only been 19th level for like two sessions. Right. You've you've been using Wish to cast 8th level spells for literally three months. Like now you get to cast a real Wish and roll right. a D100. An actual real Wish. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, avoid action denial abilities. You want people to be making choices about their characters and then using those things like everybody should be going all out it's mutually assured destruction like crazy ability should be should be happening all the time someone should not be stuck there stunned yeah um that applies to the pcs as well as any like important bbegs mm -hmm. uh there absolutely is a place for action denial of mooks and ads and any other type of filler monster like that is the target for those um like dnd &D does a good job of signposting like hey they're legendary actions like you got to burn through these things before you're going to get any of these save or suck spells make sure that there are juicy targets that are not like legendarily resistant that are good like that give them the sense of like oh i denied action right but don't deny the fight itself and then make sure you're making everything meaningful. If the characters die, then they die. This is it, right? That's how the story ends. But they should be dying heroically or they should be dying tragically, depending on your genre, depending on what the player wants, and depending on the dice. This is a great time to break the rules a little bit and give that final monologue by your unconscious character right before <laughs> they slip away. Oh, you want to levy a curse on the person who killed you? Yeah, I can get behind that. Sure, yeah. Let's do a that. Curse, a curse is like a wish, but with plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already dead. I don't care what happens. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, my strength is three. I'm just setting up the next campaign with this curse. <laughs> and then hopefully when you have uh, brought all this to a successful, likely big old fight, uh... Afterward, you've got epilogues, which we talked about in episode 121. Um, so we won't go into too much detail here, but in general, like you're either going to want to customize them for PCs, depending on what happened in the last session, uh, or just let them decide for themselves, like write their own epilogues or like narrate to the group, like what happens to them afterward or to their family or loved ones or whatever, if they didn't make it. Yeah, there are some some great epilogue mechanics that are out there. Um, I like the back at camp scenes from Band of Blades as, mm -hmm. as a way of doing that, though um, in a final session, you, you can run into time constraints on anything that's like more interactive than like one or two people deciding something. Um, also, Fiasco just ends in epilogues, right? Like you spend your dice that you've, you rolled at the end, like one at a time to like narrate a thing that your character does um so like stuff like that is just like it, it's just great at like i've got inspiration i'm gonna like tell the next scene and kind of like end the movie right these are all your like one by one walking away from the bellagio fountain right in oceans 11 right like everybody walks away right but this is your like after credit scene your after after credit scene right like these are all those little little moments that you get to throw in there this is why lord of the rings had uh four 
epilogues it's because people have still had dice to spend uh, i believe those were uh called fellowship of the ring the two towers return of the king and return of the king part two are those the four epilogues oh uh the scouring of the shire no they didn't do that it was uh frodo wakes up in bed uh frodo wakes up in bed again right it meets aragorn who's now clean for once i don't know i haven't seen him in a while they keep going they keep going i just spent a Wait, were, there were only three films, right? There were only three films. They didn't yeah. split the last one into two parts. <laughs> they did not. That was <laughs> <Okay>. Harry Potter. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then if you have important NPCs, uh, usually ahead of time, I'll plan like an A outcome or a B outcome, like a good one or a bad one or a, you know, su- success or fail or whatever, depending on how the last session goes. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of making sure you get, you know, a minute to share that narration with the group of what happened. So as we wrap this up, Ishan, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of our group's great endings and some of our frustrating endings. What, what's the most frustrating ending you've had? Oh, mine. Uh, the, the, our, our Road Trader ending. The Dynasty Unwarranted ending. Did it end end, though? Isn't it still like... I mean, it's, yeah, it's technically still could happen, but like the whole thing was set up for Doc. Oh, right. And then, and then, Cam, and then wasn't Cam wasn't there. there. Yeah. And we couldn't push it out because we yep. had other constraints because uh-huh. he was leaving. So it was like I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. played for an empty audience. Like it was like playing a concerto in an empty auditorium. <laughs> and it was good. Like I, I got to do a lot of like I got to do all of these things and I felt like I had a cool way of kind of working in like the lore that brought the whole story together, right? Like in the Eldar Barrows. Um and like you know, you know, so like the penultimate session like led into the fight that it was, and then there was like time for the epilogue that sort of like closed things out and like gave you control of the planet, so it was your win for winning that fight. But then like that whole fight was about throwing a ton of corruption um onto the party to deal with and like intending to push Doc over the edge, right? And so that so that he that. would then be the boss that we fight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but then he didn't show up, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so he couldn't be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so he needed another boss. I did get my arm blown off, which was pretty cool. So, uh, I, yeah, it still ended up fine. But like, yeah. it, in terms of like, literally, was missing a player who was the focal point of the the last part of that arc, right? Right, like, and we also was, showed up being like, oh man, we got to fight Doc. And right, we did exactly, and then yeah. So it, it was like the, it was the biggest whiff by a mile, in my opinion, of mm-hmm. of our like long running games. Obviously, right. like we've all had like short things that kind of fizzled and popped. Fizzled, yeah, exactly. They didn't really go anywhere. Um, and and for me, like the the best one is also no no fault of my own. Um, was Steph, you know, critting on the very final blow uh, against Bell Shaler in the Morning Lord campaign, which like none of us could have planned for but like was just a great way to end a campaign i actually so that was good yeah i mean that was good i'm like i that was a great ending and obviously it was the first like campaign that uh i was part of with our group so that was great um but for me dark sun ended with like a cool mechanic of like how we all had to like decide what we did and like angelo had some mechanics in place that kind of measure the impact on like our mercenary company as well as on the world of Athos as well as on ourselves. And so like everybody had like kind of to decide on the slider of like 
how much of their power went to saving Athos, how much of it went to the company, how much of it did they keep for themselves, right? Like I thought that was a cool way to do it, and it was all blind, right? So the outcome was just the like the sum total of what everybody put into everything. Um, a lot of selfish people, it turns out, in our crew. Oh, it turns out, surprise, surprise. Yeah, um, I yeah, I liked that. I liked that ending. Um, it was a little. Not ruined, but it was a little tainted for me because I spent the penultimate uh, session stunned the entire time. I did. <laughs> I did literally nothing at level nineteen. <laughs> I think we were only level fifteen. Relax. You could have had that for four more levels. No way. It was level nineteen. Because then, then the, but the the yeah, the end one was twenty. Yeah, it was oh, like okay. Yeah. So I have no idea what it's like to play level nineteen D and D. I know level twenty. But yeah. <laughs> not level 19. Well, that's actually what it's like to play level 19 D&D is one in six times you don't get to do anything. <laughs> you know I mean? It just depends yeah. on what stat they're rolling against this session. All right. So that's a bunch of uh, advice. But, of course, every campaign is going to be played out differently. So, like, uh, every campaign is going to make very good use of about 75% of everything that we, that we threw out there. But you know, then you'll play a different campaign, and it'll be a different seventy-five percent. So, exactly. let us know how uh, how your campaign goes, Sev. Um, but anyone else, also, you know, uh, give us some campaign ending stories, or join us on Discord and tell everybody about it. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? Yes, I hear everything because I'm stunned, not deafened. <laughs> Can't do anything about it, but you know, uh, you must be stunned by all the great work that's going on in the Character Creation Forge. Ooh. But before we head over there, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. All right, this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building Nighty Night Bugs. Is this a is this a Bugs Bunny build? It's a uh, it it's a, a Looney Tunes reference, okay. but it's not a bunny uh, a Bugs Bunny build per se because the Looney Tunes character is Nighty Night with two Ks, and this is uh, Nighty Night with two Ns. It is a hem- heavily armored insect adept who is at home in the darkness. Okay. <laughs> what's the build it is swarm keeper ranger 11 circle of the land swamp druid 8 twilight cleric 1 okay i gotta stop you right here would it not have been easier to do a swarm keeper ranger in heavy armor and just do 99 bucks <laughs> nope okay all right <laughs> you'll fine, see fine, you'll fine. see here we go okay okay all right. so bear with me it gets weirder uh, we're going to start Variant Human so we can kick it off with a feat. We're going to take Eldritch Initiate for Devil's Sight so that we can see in Magical Darkness. All right. Now maybe you see, maybe you see some of where this is going. Could we have gone Warlock? Sure, but this is a Wisdom primary build. Everything's stacked on Wisdom. Okay. So let's kick it off with Cleric 1. Your Wisdom primary, like I said, Twilight gets you martial weapons, heavy armor, and shields. The Knight. 
So you're already in heavy armor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you get, you know, spells like Bless and Cure Wounds. You get sleep as a Twilight Cleric, which is really nice. But we are here because you also get 300 feet of dark vision, which is a ridiculous amount of dark vision. No one else gets that much dark vision. I don't think I can see 300 feet in the light. And that's the thing. You can share it with the whole party for an hour. So all of you can have dark vision. So, I mean, at level one, the optimal tactic here is for everyone to see in the dark, wander around in the woods or I guess in the plains at night with longbows and kite everything. Because everything else has a maximum of 120 feet of dark vision. Like no one else can see you. Okay. All right. Then it's three levels of druid. You're going to take infestation because this is a bug build shillelagh because that's going to let you use wisdom uh, for your melee attack you get an extra cantrip uh, natural recovery to get back some spell slots and then you want circle of the swamp which will get you the darkness spell from here on out you're always fighting in darkness always turn on darkness you can see they cannot in it doesn't matter if you're in melee or you're just plinking away with with a bow run away stay in darkness and you also get uh, Wild Shape, which will come in handy in a little bit. You're probably turning into bugs. All right, then we'll take seven levels of Ranger. Uh, we'll get Canny. This is New Ranger. This is New Ranger. So you get uh, Expertise, it's sort of up to you. Stealth is probably flavorful. Animal Handling as well. Favorite Enemy, doesn't matter which one. Whatever you like. Cats, because they eat bugs. I don't know. You'll get a Fighting Style. Uh, naturally, we'll take Blind Fighting. If you don't have a darkness spell, like if you don't have a second level darkness, drop a fog cloud. That'll do in a pinch. Like you can't see them either, but it doesn't matter because you have blind fighting. And then at level three, we'll get swarm keeper, which lets you be surrounded by a swarm of insects. And then once per turn, you can add d6 damage uh, or make a strength save versus a slide 15 feet or you're allowing yourself to move five feet. So now you're finally a creepy bug fighter in the darkness. You're surrounded by bugs. There are skittering, crawling bugs uh, in the darkness. Um, you have wild shape, so you can turn into a bug, and you're surrounded by a swarm of bugs. Or you could you could turn into a rabbit, and now you're a, a bugs bunny. Sure, yeah. If you really wanted to. We went a really long way to make that I don't even want to finish this build anymore. <laughs> we're, not, we're not even here for that joke we're here to like place creepy scarabs in the dark uh you will at level six you will get a five foot speed increase and at level seven you get a fly speed because your bugs can carry you around for one minute which is great proficiency bonus times per day like that's all the flight that you actually ever need druid eight uh ups your wild shape to a swim and a fly speed so you can be a bug with a bug aura all day long and you get some useful spells like guardian of nature which is going to let me get your shillelagh better and maybe polymorph to i don't know turn into a big bug and then we'll finish it off with uh taking ranger to 11 we'll get at level 10 tireless and nature's veil and then at level 11 your bug swarm uh, maxes out you get uh, a d8 damage instead of a d6 or your slide can cause them to go prone or when you slide yourself you can get half cover so you're in this situation where you're always in darkness, and that's a problem sometimes when you're fighting in melee because it also blocks sight from your allies. But you can slide enemies or you can slide yourself pretty much at will to reposition so that you are hindering enemies as much as possible and harming allies as little as possible. 
I have a hard time envisioning the party who wants creepy bug dude surrounded by creepy bugs who insists on throwing darkness on every battlefield and soloing everything in it. I mean, you, you're welcome to come in here with the bugs. I Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy I can't see what's happening. But like, <laughs> this is, I've never seen a build more mechanically, like, like where it's mechanics. So fit the theme of being party unfriendly. <laughs> Like, you've really done it on both levels this time, all to make a freaking Bugs Bunny pun. Look, it's not a Coheden Cambria build, so I think it's a win. That's all, folks. (laughs) All right, before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. And supporters at any level get access to our Plot Hook of the Week bonus content. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about playing City Adventures. And in the Character Creation Forge? We're building the Urban Cowboy. Well, that's it for episode 294 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.